Welcome to Mothering Earth, your source for sustainable living news. I'm Salwa Khan. Wind power is coming on strong as a source of renewable energy. The cost of wind turbines and solar energy systems has been falling sharply, along with the cost of battery storage. That makes these renewable energy sources competitive with fossil fuels, and if widely adopted, could dramatically cut greenhouse gas emissions. That's good news for our Earth. On our program, we'll be talking with an expert in wind power to find out about this energy sector. My guest is Jeff Clark, president of the Advanced Power Alliance. This organization began as the Wind Coalition, but recently changed its name to reflect a broader mission. I asked Jeff Clark to tell us about his organization. For about uh, almost 20 years, we were the Wind Coalition, and uh, we're focused entirely on wind development in this part of the country and what I call America's Energy Corridor, or the Wind Corridor. We cover ERCOT, which is the Texas Power Grid, and we cover the Southwest Power Pool, which is the the grid north of us that runs all the way to Canada, so covering all or part of about 14 states. And we've changed our name and we've broadened our mission to become the Advanced Power Alliance to reflect the fact that a lot of the companies that we represent are expanding their work into solar and into energy storage and then increasingly into electric vehicles and some of the opportunities that come as vehicles, the storage on vehicles uh, becomes part of our grid as well. The, the companies who are members of my group are manufacturers who make the equipment, the, the wind turbines, so companies like General Electric and Siemens and Vestas are, um, are members of ours. We have companies who are developers of projects. Um, a lot of them are, are household name utilities, uh, companies like Duke and Southern. Um, some are unfamiliar, uh, maybe, but are some of the larger energy investors in the world, like Eon, um, Avant Grid, um, people, uh, EDF from France, who are investors in clean energy projects. And then the last group that we have increasingly are representing are companies who are off-takers or customers of the, of the clean power. So we have companies like Google who are members who uh, became a member because they own wind farms in Texas, uh, but also because they use so much re- renewable energy for their data centers because they, they have an interest in cheaper power and, um, and, of course, the corporations who have a commitment to cleaner power as well. Okay. And then, uh, but what is it the organization does, and what oh, is yes. your role? So I'm, I'm president of the organization. What we do is we engage in, on several different fronts. The first is, is politically. And so we're involved in the state capitals in our region. We have a team of, of lobbyists and legislative experts who work with our technical experts, and we engage at the Capitol on behalf of the industry. Um, what we see on a regular basis is, uh, you know, really two things. One, we're a new industry, and so as laws are adapting to, you know, new innovation, new industries, um, we're engaged in the dialogue, keeping up with those changes. For example, uh, today in our state capital here in Texas, we have a bill that will change how we decommission wind farms at the end of their life. Um, it's important, you know, we think to have have that defined, and uh, we do that uh, in our contracts. But now we'll have a state law that we helped craft along with other stakeholders to make sure that that's addressed. And then the other area that we're seeing, so we have innovation law, you know, making sure laws keep up with innovation. The other area that we see 
is a, a very orchestrated, um, very well-funded dark money campaign really running in all of the states and nationally to discredit renewable energy, to attack it, to put obstacles um, in its development, um, oftentimes you know, pushing uh, information that's not factual. And so we engage to push back in the legislative setting against those, those attacks, and we're doing with a lot of that in all of our states right now. The other thing that our group does, or one of the other things, is engaging at the RTO level, at the Regional Transmission Organization level, so ERCOT and the Southwest Power Pool. We have regulatory experts who work with them on transmission policy, planning for how we integrate uh, more renewable energy, variable resources like wind and solar that fluctuate during the course of a day. You know, how we make sure the grid is ready to handle that. And um, and then the last part of what we do, of course, we have a uh, we have the legislative arm, but we also have a political arm where we engage in, in uh, elections, educating the public about issues and encouraging them to be more involved and help elect quality people who support renewable energy. So when we talk about renewable energy, what does that encompass? So renewable energy includes a, a wide variety of different things, and, and I always joke that ultimately it's all solar because everything, you know, it's... The, uh, the, whether it's biomass that we're, you know, we're burning, um, came, you know, is grown using the sun. The wind is created from the heating and cooling that's the sun. So it's, ultimately it's all solar. But um, hydroelectric, anything that's a, an endless resource that can be tapped. And generally, you know, as a rule, you know, we, I, I view it as not only an, a, a, a resource that is endlessly renewable, um, but is also clean. You know, I think that, that having something that's that's available to you in endless supply is is nice, but if it emits uh, harmful emissions and causes other problems, then then perhaps we we ought not use it. When we talk about re, uh, renewable energy and using that versus things like fossil fuels, why should why should the average person care about where the energy comes from as long as they've got electricity yeah. or whatever well that's a it's a great question and I think it's a key part of the the transition and what we are trying what we're trying to do <clears throat> what we're attempting to do is is help manage the transition to cleaner energy cheaper energy and energy that's made here so that's my mantra is cleaner cheaper made in Texas made in Oklahoma made by people you, you know, and oftentimes you may know um, and, and so bringing, bringing those resources to market, I think the average consumer cares about having energy ult primarily that's affordable. And we all, we all want to have something cleaner, but if it's a dramatically more expensive, it, it's, you know, the reality of life is that that's not possible. But what we see today is that the cheapest energy sources available to us are solar power, they're wind power, and um, in many cases, almost everywhere now, that it's cheaper to put renewable energy and a storage component uh, than it is to build other types of fossil fuels. We're also in Texas, we also have an incredible abundance of natural gas, and most of my region does as well. And so at this point in history, we think a transition to renewable energy and natural gas, which pair very, very well together and are very affordable and very reliable, um, and ultimately much cleaner. We think that's the transition now, and we know the technology will continue to advance where ultimately we'll be using uh, probably zero emission products um, in the future. Texas is still the number one importer of coal. 
which for a state that has an infinite supply of renewable energy and a state that has an almost infinite supply of cleaner natural gas, it makes no sense to me that we still use that much coal. Uh, it's well over 30% of our power comes from coal, and, and we just think it's time for that to stop. You're listening to Mothering Earth. I'm Salwa Khan, and I'm here today with Jeff Clark, who is president of the Advanced Power Alliance. And uh, we've been talking about renewable energy, but let's move on now more specifically to wind power. So Good. what is wind power? Wind power is, uh, is, is very simple. It is capturing the the convex the energy that's in um, it's it's uh, mechanical energy that's in the convection currents of just air moving around our earth as we rotate as heat rises and cool air falls and we rotate it is um, we've developed very predictable wind patterns and uh, understanding those patterns understanding when they produce when they're available and uh, and then putting um, I always say it's a it's basically a fan in reverse that when you plug in an electric motor to to turn a blade to to move air in reverse that turning blade will create electricity and uh, and that's what we do and so it's wind wind power is just capturing that wind converting it to electricity and doing it at a large enough scale that it is cost effective. So you're talking when you're talking about the the blade or the. Uh motor running backwards. Right, uh, exactly. You're talking about the, the wind, the what we call the wind turbines, it, right? Correct. And those yep. are those giant sort of towers that we see with the blades exactly. turning on the top. Yeah, the inside, so. inside each of those towers, the scale is very hard to, to, to capture until you're standing next to one on the ground. But the, the nacelle, the box on the top of the tower, uh, is called the nacelle. And inside of that is a, is a generator or a turbine. And uh, I'm always correct. I think I'm supposed to call it a turbine, but I refuse to do that. Uh, so a wind turbine and uh, and a gearbox. And, and so what we do is the blades, very similar to a, a propeller-driven aircraft, the, the blades will actually pitch and turn <clears throat> on their axes. And so they can adjust to different wind speeds and try, you know, the ideal rotation is about 12, 12 rotations per minute. And so you'll see the blades adjust in different wind speeds to try to capture a very steady pace. And then using a gearbox to keep that generator, that, that turbine spinning at the, at the optimal rate uh, to move electricity down out of that tower. And then those, all of that electricity, when you look at a farm, that electricity, all of those are connected by cabling. That electricity is pulled together and then ultimately put onto the grid. But from that individual wind turbine that's sitting out on someone's farm or ranch, um, when people flip a light switch in Houston, um, it, it fascinates me and I always remind my members that it seems very normal to us. But when someone flips a light switch in Houston, they don't realize that 17% of that power on average is coming from a wind farm somewhere in Texas. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, it is. So uh, when we talk about these uh, wind turbines, um, are there different types of there are turbines, and what are they? There are. They're, they're, they vary in size, and there are some that are available for home use, uh, very small, um, that, that you can buy. They, they range in scale from, from those very small wind turbines all the way up to these absolute um, massive products. They vary by really where they're placed. In Texas, all of our wind turbines are, are onshore. Uh, they're land-based. Um, they generally vary from from one to two and a half megawatts. As, as time has gone by, they're getting bigger uh, and able to produce more power. 
and uh, they're rated by how much power they produce at a at a, any given moment. So every year. Um, we see new blade designs, we see new tower heights, and so every year we see new things that help make a little bit more electricity out of the same uh, piece of wind or area of wind. And that means, you know, for the companies, of course, it's a more productive project. And for landowners, it tends to mean higher payments because the, there's more revenue coming in from that wind. You're listening to Mothering Earth. I'm Saul Wakan, and I'm here today with Jeff Clark, president of the Advanced Power Alliance, and we're talking about wind power, but right now it's time for a break. We're back now. You're listening to Mothering Earth. I'm Salwa Khan, and I'm here with Jeff Clark, who is president of the Advanced Power Alliance, and we're talking about wind, and we were just, uh, or you were just, telling us about the different uh, types of wind turbines. Um, where, where are they manufactured, and what kinds of materials go into them? Right. So the, they're manufactured, they used to be primarily manufactured in Scandinavia. Um, now there are companies all over the world who are manufacturing wind turbines. Most of the, the, as you drive around our region, most of the wind turbines that you are, will see come from a few major suppliers, um, Siemens, Vestas, General Electric, you know, some of the, the major names. There are a few others. There are, are also some Asian, some Chinese manufacturers who are, are manufacturing for other markets. Those typically don't make it, they, they don't show up in our market. Um, there may be a few scattered here and there. Those turbines, even if they're international manufacturers like a Siemens, increasingly more than 75% of the, tur- the turbine is made now in the United States. And so it is. Okay. where it was a Scandinavian product, the market has grown. They're very heavy. Um, it's much easier to manufacture them closer to where they're going to be used. And uh, so, for example, Siemens has a, a major factory in Kansas that supplies our region with turbines. The towers, uh, there's a company, Broadwind is a company I know well in Abilene, and they make the, the steel towers um, that Trinity Industries, another another company based in, in our region uh, that, that has a role in, in manufacturing the towers. The blades are made, you know, all over. They're made primarily of steel. The generators themselves obviously contain a lot of copper um, the, the bulk of the components of steel, there are in the generators themselves a variety of different minerals and rare earth materials. And uh, that's something that pops up occasionally in conversation about the access to those materials that might be needed. But what we have found is that increasingly we're able to use materials that are not as rare and that also that have substantial supplies. So people often say, well, the supply of these materials comes from China, let's say. Well, that's because right now China is the cheapest supplier, but in most cases, we have those materials from other markets available to us, just not as cheaply. So um, supply disruption is not something we lose a lot of sleep over. There are several issues that have been raised about wind power, um, and uh, these are stories that I've read, um, some of which sound a little bizarre, but uh, one of them was that wind farms cause people in the area that they're located to be uh, stressed and have anxiety. Have you heard these stories? I, I have, what? and, and we've, we've spent, as an industry, there's a lot of research, and there's also a lot of, industry, there's a lot of research conducted by other 
groups, medical groups, and elsewhere, uh, who have an interest in understanding, you know, what's really at play. Where, where there's also a lot of disinformation. I will tell you that that going into the the topic of health or impacts on wildlife and other things, um, that that it wouldn't surprise you to find that any yeah, anything negative is generally picked up by the companies like the coal companies uh, who fund a lot of our opposition. And it's it's circulated in an effort to give it credibility. What we found on the health issue primarily is that, yes, there is anxiety that's associated. But what we what we typically find is there are groups who oppose change in communities in Rural areas where a wind project shows up, um, it's a, it can be a dramatic change for people who have been in an area uh, for some time and, and don't have wind turbines around them. And so what the research has shown is to the extent that there are health effects, um, that, that a lot of those are driven by people who are opposed typically to a neighbor who's putting a wind turbine on their land, and that that, that stress and that anxiety of being upset about something changing does have health effects. That's very clear. It is an area that that merits continued, you know, continuing research. I think. So is that about because they don't like the look of the windmills? What I have found over the six and a half years that I've been working in this every single day is that the only issue that is genuine is the aesthetic um, issue that it is, a, it is a change, it is unwelcome to some. Um, generally, the community at large welcomes these projects because they have a tremendous positive economic impact. But that is the one issue that unfortunately we can't remedy, um, is the aesthetic uh, proper placement of a turbine. You know, for example, you'll hear about um, shadow flicker. You know, when the sun shines through a wind turbine and it, if it shines onto a house and that the rotation of the blade, in essence, creates, imagine a, a light shining through a fan, it's called shadow flicker. And you'll find out in places where a, a tower was placed in a, in, a, in, a, in a way that is really not compatible with neighboring properties, that's a problem. Properly sited wind, pro, wind projects don't create problems. So that's why it's so important that in my industry do everything we can to properly site and right. to make sure we're in areas you know we want to be in areas where where we are welcomed and 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 that's most communities and now another issue that's been raised is that uh the wind turbines uh, or rather that birds and bats will fly into the blades and be destroyed right what's what's yeah, so done the, about that so the, the that's a perfect example of um of of why siding is so important. And uh, we have worked for decades on avian issues and, um, and work, of course, with Fish and Wildlife and others to make sure that we place projects in areas that do not create hazards to migrating um, um, fowl. And uh, what we have found, and, or what we've seen, is that projects, a lot of, there are projects that will go They'll be, they'll be built, for, for instance, we have some projects in South Texas right now where the construction schedules are altered to make sure that they don't have an impact on migrating uh, wildlife. We have projects in the country that only operate you know, for 10 months, 11 months a year, but they shut down during different periods. Oh, All of that can be done. It, it, it's obviously better to do it at the beginning so you can plan for it and, and make sure that the economics work. So there are a lot of projects... 
more often than not, it's, it's projects are either moved or they're just scrapped altogether where we find out that it's not compatible. There have been projects in Texas that have been proposed near bat um, uh, habitat, you know, primarily some of the larger caves. Those projects have had to be stepped back from simply because they could not figure out a way to do the project compatibly with the with that wildlife. And we have a bat uh, working group that's working with Bat Conservation International to try to try to figure. Out. Bats are challenging because of the way they do their echolocation. Um, the wind, the the rotation actually um, is it's confusing to them, and so we have to be extraordinarily careful about bats as we get to know them better. And with um, with birds, I would say the other thing is that the that the misinformation around the bird issue is is really important. You know, the things that kill birds at really at scale, tall buildings, household cats are the number one uh, hazard to birds by far. Uh, open oil tanks kill more birds in the United States every year than wind turbines do. Um, and, and all this is, is readily available online, but it's not something, it's more fun to talk about you know, wind turbines and birds. What the Audubon Society has said is that proper, properly sited wind projects aren't, aren't the hazard. You know, their, their bigger fear is climate change. And so people who really care about birds are looking for cleaner and cheaper and uh, less uh, emissive energy sources. Uh, to protect those birds with. You're listening to Mothering Earth. I'm Salwa Khan. I'm here today with Jeff Clark, president of the Advanced Power Alliance. Uh, and we're talking about wind and wind power. Um, and uh, I have I have driven by uh, some wind farms in South Texas. Um, and I see a couple of the uh, turbines are spinning, but the rest might be completely idle. How, how does that work? My, that, you know, that's a funny question. What I've learned is that uh, when you look at a project, the, each of those is producing a certain amount of electricity. So there are times when that electricity is, is not needed. The full value of that electricity is not needed for the grid. And so running the, allowing, allowing them to spin has, uh, has a cost associated with it, which is wear and tear and, and other things. And so... Um, so you'll see when the electricity is not needed, they won't spin, and the controller will actually, you know, will actually feather the blades and let them sit in the in the wind. Um, there are other times when there's maintenance being conducted. So what you'll see when you see all of them running except for one or two, those may be ma- waiting for maintenance. And in some cases, you know, part of our challenges is we're, we are growing our workforce, but we're having a hard time, you know, getting enough people. And uh, so you're either waiting on crew to be available or cranes to be available available for example if they need to swap a turbine so maintenance is a big issue i think it's becoming abundantly clear that the storing of wind power and solar power is is going to take place primarily through batteries and as electric vehicles really take off you'll have not only the technology become cheaper but you'll have you'll have a market as those cars age. Those older batteries will then be repurposed into grid use, and so you'll you'll really have a tremendous amount of energy storage that's available to us going forward that will will change these markets entirely. Which is why the work that we're doing is so yeah. we think important to to plan for that. The other really interesting component about electric vehicles and storage is that all of those vehicles, when they're plugged in can also act as storage for the grid. Does renewable energy create jobs? What kinds of jobs? And is it going to 
be able to replace the jobs that are being lo- that that I hope will be lost in coal. And yeah. Oil. Well, and, and coal, you know, the jobs, if you look at the jobs in coal, the jobs tend to be concentrated and really it's fewer than 10 counties in America. Um, so coal jobs are, you know, there's certainly jobs at power plants as a, as far as power plants go, uh, you know, wind facilities have more employees, you know, per megawatt than, than other power plants um, because we're less automated. The jobs that we're seeing, um, of course, there's everything from from the construction, the planning, the operations, the meteorology, um, the design. The know, design. Think, yeah. There's there's clearly you know there's a lot of uh, manufacturing tied to it. We have 27,000 people today in Texas whose jobs are tied to wind, in in one way or another, uh, directly um, to the to wind, and so it's growing. Oil and gas is going to be a key part of our economy in Texas for a while in Oklahoma the same the same way but we think the transition can be can be managed mm-hmm. you know very right. easily um, but there's plenty of opportunity as we make the transition um, and there the jobs that that we see today like I said we're, we're training and hiring about as quickly as we can can find folks um, but the uh, the jobs of tomorrow in many cases are jobs that aren't even contemplated yet. They're going to be more technology oriented, but they're going to be quality jobs. And I think it's going to be very, I think it's a very bright future. Wind farms also bring income to farmers and ranchers on whose land the turbines are located. Thanks for listening. Until next time, this is Salwa Khan signing off for Mothering Earth 